Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucet, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette, and as we do every week, we're joined by a brand new guest talking about their life and their journey throughout the world of martial arts. My guest today is a senior full instructor under Dan Inosanto in Jeet Kune Do and Filipino martial arts. He's a fifth level instructor under Mr. Inosanto in Mafalindo Salat. He's a Jarn and regional director for World Muay Thai Association under Master Chai Surasute, full instructor under Sifu Paul Vunak, and an instructor under Larry Hartzell. He has trained a spectrum of students from military and law enforcement to professional athletes, competitive martial artists, and the general public. His organization has branches in several countries and continues to grow and he founded the Minnesota Cali Group in 1982. Please welcome my guest today, Mr. Rick Fay. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. Boy, that all makes me sound old. <laughs> <laughs> ah, no, no, just experienced. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and thank goodness that we're martial artists because old is a relative term when you're in martial arts. It's, it's a, a, a very good way to grow older is to be in martial arts. So, that is true. That is true. Uh, yep. So, you young. so what we like to do with all my guests, I want to go back to the very beginning. I want to know what led to that first spark that led to your interest in martial arts. Well, um, there's a couple of them okay. in stages, uh, high school, junior high. We did, uh, started in Hapkido, had a judo guy around, you know, there was, we did, uh, different things. There was a Southern praying mantis guy, uh, in Minneapolis, Jim from Marcus here or was here. And um, so there was a legit like Chinese grandmaster around. So we we dabbled in all of these things uh, through junior high and high school. It was interesting at that time. I just mentioned to you uh, that I'm at my parents place um, when my dad was alive. He really didn't approve of martial art in oh. the early stages. OK, he just didn't like it. He was an old football coach, um, just thought it was a bunch of kung fu crap. You know, he didn't didn't really buy into it now. That changed later. I'll get back to the beginnings, but that changed mm -hmm. later when I started working with football players. So I got my first job under Lou Holtz at the University of Minnesota. And now all of a sudden martial art was okay because you're working with football players. That's good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, yeah. And I love my dad. He was great, but he just kind of understood things differently. So anyways, we did, um, the beginnings were, like I said, it was Hapkido, it was Judo, uh, a little Southern praying mantis. I was attracted to Wing Chun right away. And then when I went to uh, college, I went to UMD, there was a Wing Chun guy up there. So I alternated between that and the boxing club, et cetera, came uh, down, met uh, one of my roommates, et cetera, uh, ran the Taekwondo club. Okay. So I would go to Taekwondo, but I was a terrible Taekwondo student because I only wanted to go to sparring days and they, they, <laughs> they got very annoyed at me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so anyways, so then the next beginning and the real beginning that I would talk about is uh, one of my training partners went out to the Aspen Academy of Martial Art and met this man, Dan Inasano. And he came back with his eyes bugged out of his head and just said, you have got to meet this man. And so there was the first weekend seminar at the Daggerberg Academy in Chicago. And I went and I'm I mean, short answer here is I was sold. You know, I looked at that and I said, I want to do that whatever that is, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. It's funny coming into that family. I was not a Bruce Lee fan. Okay. So I didn't really, I mean, they were B movies. So it was kind of cool. I, I don't know. You know, it's, it didn't affect me the way it affected other people. But uh, once I saw Mr. Nassano, I, I was sold. That, that was, that was the deal. And then the rest of my martial art career, I can honestly say was directed by him. Okay. Um, I chased other people a lot. 
you know, Steve Larry Hartzell was the one who introduced me to traveling internationally. And I was his assistant for many years. And Paul Vunak was wonderful to me. And, you know, some of these guys were great, great influences. Um, I had a chance to meet so many people and we'll talk about that. But Dan Inasano would, was the type of instructor and guide, you know, he really lives up to the term guru mm-hmm. or Sifu because he would say, you know, Rick, I think you should go check out this guy, see what you think. And I'd go and, and, you know, there was names like uh, William Chung and Leo Gahi, Sifu Francis Fong. There was all these people. And he would always say the same thing. He said, I think you should go and check out, you know, Bill Wallace. We had a, a long camp with and um, I can think back to all those names, you know. And I did learn something from each one. As I look back at it, I think he, he predicted what I would learn. You know, he knew what he knew what you were going to find. He just sent you over there. Go, go see this guy and see what you find, you know, so. So really, that was the beginning. The year would have been, so I went to school, 78. Okay. And then I had a lifestyle back then, Brian, that I could literally just follow him around. So I went to to weekend seminars everywhere. Then there's a guy, Jay D'Amato, that comes along with what's called the the California Academy of Martial Arts. It was in Irvine, California, UC Irvine. Mm -hmm. And he ran camps. And camps back then were six weeks wow, and five, five days a week, eight hours a day. And you trained with a variety of different instructors. That's where I met a lot of those people. Mm-hmm. And I think Jay went broke a couple different times doing it, partly because there's not that many people that can take six weeks off their life <laughs> right. and, and go out there. But Jay was, was really a pioneer. He was you know, integrated everything. I mean, um, Stephen Hayes was out there. All the, all the different martial arts were there. And um, he was a Jeet Kune Do fan, so Dan Inasano was featured prominently. But then so were Bruce Lee's other people. You mm-hmm. know, William Chung was there. Hawkins Chung was there. So we had uh, Taki came down, Taki Kumara. Wow. Um, there was a bunch of people that, that were in and out of that place. And I got to, that's when I really got a handle on who and what I was involved with. The JKD family was more than I thought it was. Wow. And um, so, yeah, that those were the beginnings and uh, wonderful, wonderful times. I look back, I you know, it's like any, I don't know how old you are, but I, I look back and I think, I hope I appreciated it. I think I did. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I'm did. 48. So a little, little bit between us, but I've been doing this since 84, since I was 10. So. Oh my. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you've been at this a while. Good for a little you. bit, a little bit. I mean, I take, take time off because of family stuff. I don't, don't get to train as often as I'd like to, but you know, it's still, I still consider it part of my life. So, so I want to, well, I, I like to hear that as well, because that's, <laughs> that's a topic we'll bridge onto, I'm sure, but definitely um, a lot of martial artists lose the balance mm-hmm. and they don't balance family and whatever. And, uh, so that, that, that can happen as well. Exactly. So I want to back up a little bit before you met Mr. Inosanto. Now those other styles you dabbled in and did you attain rank in any of those or, or was more just kind of like trying it out? Yeah, but not much. I don't recall that we got sashes in the Southern praying Manus. That's how they rank. Okay. And I don't recall the colors actually, because I wanted a black sash. Okay. And I think that only because it was really cool looking on the uniform. Mm-hmm. I think that was only like the third rank up. They went up from there. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> I just wanted to buy. So, but, um, so no, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say a rank was important in any of those to me. So, okay. And do you remember who, who was the, the Taekwondo instructor at the college you were at? So the head instructor was Moon Kim okay. from the Twin Cities. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, Scott Storla ran the club. Brian Seaman was his assistant and was my roommate. Okay. And th- those were guys, they were great to me really. You know, I was joking a little bit earlier, but it's true. I did pretty much only go to sparring classes. Right. And it was a neat setup, especially when I transferred to the U down here, the main U, because the, the Taekwondo room and the boxing room were, were right next door to each other. You just passed through two doors and they were right next door. Now, at that time, you didn't tell one or the other that you were doing the other thing. So the, the boxing coach was Bill Kane back then, and his assistant was Jesse Garza. I didn't tell them that I was in the taekwondo room. Mm-hmm. And then vice versa, I didn't tell the taekwondo guys I was going to the boxing room on the other day. So <laughs> nice. you just didn't do that then. You know, yeah. it wasn't, uh, I don't know if they would have disapproved or not, but you just didn't do that. Okay. Yeah, I've actually, I've heard of Moon Kim. I, my, my traditional, or my, my core system is traditional taekwondo. Uh, that's oh, a, nice. I've, I've been doing Good. that since 92. I started in Tungsudo. I did Shotokan. I did Aikido. I did American Kempo. 
I, I've dabbled, dabbled in hop keto and some grappling and boxing, but my, my core system is traditional Taekwondo. So sure. that's, I always like no, hearing a, about that, but it's a good art. You know, I've talked to people about the traditional Korean systems and we've got a Kuxu Wan group in uh, Cambridge, England, nice. and they're great martial artists. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I know there's, there's been, uh, when they did the movement or oh, what was it first, was it mid America, I think. And when June Rhee's group went more towards kids and tournaments and all of that stuff yep. and away from uh, the the more traditional look at that art, uh, it was a great move for them because now you got the whole family involved, everybody. I thought it was great. But <clears throat> I know some of the more combat martial artists look down on it as, as a little less than, you know, what they used to be. Yeah, they, but, they, they, they just pretty much see the Olympic stuff and they think that's everything with Taekwondo. Mm, I'm like, that's mm. not, that's not, you get, you need to see, before you judge it, you need to see a real traditional Taekwondo instructor because it, it's, it's not what you think. I mean, we, my instructor has been blending in other styles as long as I've been with them. We, we were one of the first schools in the Fargo-Moorhead area to add in grappling back in the early 90s. And, you know, he's he's done stuff with judo and he's done with, with boxing and stuff. So it's it's it's, it's definitely an effective martial art. <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. My partner, uh, she's sitting next to me, Linda. She is a black belt in taekwondo, and that comes nice. in handy. Nice. So, and I have to say, I, I appreciate <laughs> one of my biggest pet peeves is, is people who call it taekwondo, and I love that you pronounce it correctly, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember Munkin. He goes, he do his little thing, and then he goes, I know, uh, when you do taekwondo, and the way he said taekwondo. <laughs> and I like that. I'll, get, I'll tell you a funny Munkin story. It's my favorite Munkin story. Yeah. Is we had one of the all-star wrestlers came into the school in St. Paul. Oh, wow. And he grabs Munkin and he picks him up and he goes, what would you do if I did this? And Munkin grabs his eyelid <laughs> and he goes, I just remember him going, I'd probably grab your eyelid. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> but he was an athlete. Boy, there was, there was a couple of those guys. Uh, he sang role was one. Um, there was a couple of those guys that were really, you know, I've got a couple of my students, Mike Steenson, those people were real athletes. You know, my, my partner here, she's quite an athlete and, uh, yeah, that, that was uh, a good system and yeah, it's just a simple, they could fight. That's cool. Do you know who Eric Paulson is? I, I do know. I, yeah. I actually reached out to him. I haven't had a reply yet, but I reached out to get him on the, on the episode also on the show. Okay. So yep. <laughs> fingers I'll, I'll crossed. Make that happen. Oh, I can make you. that happen for you. Appreciate but, it. Um, He's, uh, he's coming to teach a camp this week with me, but, um, cool. he came to us, uh, from, uh, Taekwondo here. He okay. was in Bill Miller's group there. Um, was it Coon Rapids or was it Karate North then? Okay. Anyways, but, um, so we've had a long association with that. And I, I remember I did a thing years ago, um, and I won't use names cause I don't want to insult anybody, mm-hmm. but my Thai boxing program, when it was new, they were a little overconfident, you know, they, and they were hard workers, by the way, these guys were really grilling it, but they had gotten to the point where I'm pretty sure they were convinced that they were the only ones working that hard. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I asked Storla to bring the, the fight team over from the, the Taekwondo. And I said, I want you to run these guys through your workout. And <laughs> my Thai boxing group begged me not to have them back. <laughs> wow. Like, he said, all right, on the wall, 400 round kicks, 400 side kicks, 400 hook kicks. And <laughs> they just killed them, you know. <laughs> And, um, yeah, they, they basically begged me not to do that to them again. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I, I, anyway, I miss those hardcore workouts. I haven't had one of those in a while. It's like, so I think the schools now, some of them are at least are afraid to do it because they'll lose students. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, and they probably would. Yeah. 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 It's I, interesting. The evolution of martial art, you know, I, we've got, we've gotten to the place where we use the phrase, the illusion of hard work is more important than the hard work itself. Ah, uh-huh. Okay because you will chase people away and other systems had it too. You know, um, the Shotokan people had it. I've had a good mm-hmm. relationship with, uh, Fasaro's group and the Shotokan group. And, um, boy, those guys worked their ass off. Yeah. I mean, they really worked hard. So that, that's that kind of thing. I don't think you get away with that anymore. Right. I, I just don't. Yeah. I remember Shota, I did Shotokan in, in St. Cloud, Minnesota when I was in high school with uh oh, sure. with tim keel so huh. you, you might know the name cool. but yeah he that was a that was a fun i loved that style and and i remember one of the hardest uh take one i trained with in brainerd minnesota for a summer when i was home from college with um, master john ingham and we were he was te- teaching the class to count in korean and they couldn't get oh, wow. i forgot what number that they couldn't get past so he kept making them start over and we were doing sit-ups as we were doing it. So I think that day in class we ended up doing, I think it was 374 sit-ups before we finally got to like 50 in Korean. So, yeah, my my abs hurt for like three weeks after that. So. 
But, my partner's nodding. <laughs> but I loved like, it. I loved cringe. it though. I, I, and my, my instructor so many times has said, if I taught like I did in the eighties and nineties, I'd have three students. <laughs> so yeah. wow. which is un- yeah. it's unfortunate, but yeah. Now Brainerd, that would have been correct. Was that one of Sullivan's guys? No. Um, John Ingham was under the same as my instructor up here. Um, Grandmaster Mu Young Yun. Who's a 10th degree degree under the Kuki Wan. So he's, he brought uh, Taekwondo to Fargo in the early seventies and then kind of branched out. He has uh, instructors and, and um, I like, I mean, he's not around anymore. He's retired now, but he, his instructors branched out into all over the upper Midwest, Bemidji, all over North Dakota. Um, He had some in St. Cloud, Little Falls and kind of all over. They've, they've, of course, since he retired, it's kind of like the whole Ed Parker, American Campbell thing. They all broke off and they all, all this political battles and, their own yeah. systems and stuff. So it's kind of, kind of sad when politics gets involved in martial arts. So uh, it's one of the things I talk about the most in my organization is I've, I've been through so many political battles and it's all nonsense. It's it all is. nonsense. It's all ego. And uh, one thing about being around Mr. Inasano, you, you can't be around him more than four minutes to figure out that humility is a big part of that man's whole deal. Okay. And um, uh, he's the most humble person I've ever met. Nice. And, and I somehow, at least some of my peers missed that part. Okay. So oh. That's probably enough there. So, yeah, no. So, <laughs> and, and back to Mr. Inosanto, obviously another person I've just been a fan of for such a long time. And, and I want I think I met him one time when I lived in California at a tournament, he was there and I sure. think I might have met him yeah. like it shook his hand once in 1995. But other than that, never had a chance to have a conversation with him. But so just thinking back to like the, when you first met him, when you first started training with him, just walk us through like a typical training session with him what, what what are some of the stuff what was some of that experience like you know the way he started is still the way i start okay <laughs> it was always weaponry first nice so uh there's a lot of double stick there's a lot of explanation of how big the art of kali is mm-hmm. so you know there's 12 categories of training and he would go through you know let's say you're training with a single stick and he would say this is a single stick single sword single axe single whatever and he'd go through all the different variations you know he's had so many different instructors and different influences that he would bounce from system to system to system always giving credit where credit was due he would say okay this came from this guy and this came from this guy and and um his he's interesting his father was the um secretary of the uh farm workers union in stockton california so the farm workers, all the Filipinos that came over and worked farms, they had to come to the Inasano household to get their checks. Ah. So I think they paid them in cash. But so the Escrimadors and the Kali people, they all knew each other. And uh, Sebastian Inasano would say, you know, we, would you work with my kid, Danny? And you know, called him Danny back then. And mm-hmm. so he, right from the very start, had access to all the big, big people in the Filipino martial arts. And um, obviously he was a big Ed Parker staple there. He was one of Ed Parker's guys at that time, but he was constantly being influenced by the Filipino martial art. So what that, what that did was when, when you learn from him, you're constantly saying, okay, this is from the Serrata system under Angel Cabalas. This is under the Illustrissimo system. This is La Costa system. And so there's, even though I never met any of those people, I don't know those Filipino Mm -hmm. guys. You know, to me, it's all in Asano martial art, but he would constantly give credit to the people uh, that he got it from. And luckily, he's a he's a very organized learner. So everything is written down. Everything is, uh, you know, he's copious notes. And I've got some of them that really tre- treasure. And um, even from the Bruce Lee era, wow. you, know, you, you mentioned politics. Here's mm-hmm. a funny little thing. There were a few people that may have exaggerated their involvement in, especially the Chinatown Academy, and that got a reputation. Well, what they didn't know is Guru Nisano still has all the attendance records. Wow. So they kept they kept track. So when they would come out and say, I did this many years or this many classes, and Dan never said anything. Bless him. He never, never spoke up and said, no, no. Uh, but he did one time say, he says, you know, Rick, I still have the records. And he just kind of got that look in his eye and I thought, Oh, I see. They're full of, you know what? <laughs> oh, wow. So, that's yeah. All, that's awesome. That was interesting. That's, yeah. So at what level and what drew you, what made you want to start teaching? When did, when did you start and what kind of drew you to it? I can tell you the day. Okay. Wow. So, um, it was at the, uh, Degenberg Academy and Dan was demoing 
and people are flying out of the ring. I mean, this is Jeff Amata and Richard Bastillo. I'm trying to think of who all was there, but it, it's all the guys that, that I looked up to, you know, that I really thought, okay, this mm-hmm. is really something. And they, he was rolling. I had never seen anything like it. And um, he stopped in the middle of it. And he gave this lecture about why in the Filipino martial art, why you do it. And he drew a triangle and he said, you do it. This, this art is based on love, love for yourself, love for your family, love for your community. And then he kept drawing triangles and doing different analogies out of that. And I thought, I stood there and I thought, I just watched the most violent thing I've ever seen. And now you're giving all these thumpers a lecture about love. And I just said to myself, I want to do that. I want to do that. You know, not having any idea at that point how I was actually going to do it. But I just, uh, I wanted to do that. And uh, yeah, it was quite a, like I say, I remember to the day when that happened. And and, um, and that's the start. That was the start. So. So then what, what are the steps then to before he allows you to teach? Does he, does he have you like start assisting some demos first? Do you have to get a certain qualification before you can even do that? How does it work with him? Yeah, he, well, he would watch you. Okay. You know, so like I said, I started in 78. My first certificate, instructor certificate comes along in 82 or 83 or 84, somewhere in there. I'd have to look at the date. Okay. And it's still the most treasured certificate for me. Just the first yeah. one is good enough. All the other ones I didn't really, I mean, I've got them up on a wall somewhere and mm-hmm. all that stuff, but just that he gave me the permission to teach. That yeah. was good enough for me. Wow. And um, yeah, that was just, uh, uh, he really sprung it on me, basically walked up to me one day and here you go. And I don't know, I probably just didn't even know what to say. I don't remember it. I'm sure I stood there with my mouth open like some dope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> um, and then we opened the school. It's interesting that we're doing this interview now. This is 40 years for us. Oh, and wow. um, we just put out a, a T-shirt. It really makes me feel old, but it says 40 <laughs> years of doing this. That's so cool. I tell people I tell people I started when I was four. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep that lie going. Nice. Well, okay then. So thinking back over 40 years, what do you think's changed about your teaching style over the years? Oh boy, a lot. <laughs> um, let me see. So I am a seminar trained uh, martial artist under Dan Anzano. Mm-hmm. I did spend some time at the academy, but not much. And I was actually criticized quite a bit, ridiculed for being a seminar-trained instructor. And I actually saw it as an advantage because we would go to seminars all the time, two, three a month, you know, and then we'd come home. So you come home from a seminar and you say, well, Monday morning, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to go to work on our notes here. And what I think happened is we developed a more solid what I would call core. Okay. And maybe we missed some of the lists, you know, some of the complete lists of techniques or whatever, but we had a better core. In fact, Mr. Nassano has said that, that, that our group had, had a better um, grasp of the real basics. You know, they could move. One of the biggest honors or near honors, I should say, that I had is I, I got a call. I don't speak to Mr. Nassano on the phone. Actually, I do now quite a bit, but mm-hmm. I didn't then. But it was him on the phone. And so I sit up straight in my chair and like, like they can see everything. And, and um, he said, well, you know, my father is going to turn 100. And we'd like your group to come and do the demonstration at the, at the uh, party for the 100th birthday. Wow. And I immediately started to sweat. And, and I'm sure the words, <laughs> oh, my God, came out of my mouth. But um, uh, his dad didn't make it. He made it to two months or three months before 100 and then he passed oh man so it it never happened so what i think that was is i think he saw that this group moved the way that he wanted people to move okay and that was just simply for you know we've got a set of information that we acquired at whatever seminar we did and we're going to spend you know three four five hours a day nobody had a life back then (laughs) so and we just went to work that's all it's just that simple so that's awesome so when did the like teaching military and law enforcement and professional athletes, when did that stuff start and, and kind of what led to each of those? Oh boy. Well, they're all separate. Okay. Um, so uh, athletes came along pretty naturally. You know, my, uh, like I said, my father was involved in athletics. I had some contacts. Then uh, my steady training partner for years was a guy named Greg Nelson. Oh, and yeah, he was involved at the yep. U. He, what an athlete that kid is, man. Yeah. He still is yep. old fart. <laughs> but um, he uh, he went. A lot of people don't know this. He came to the U, and was offered a dual scholarship for either gymnastics or wrestling. They said we'll give you a full ride, pick your sport. Wow! And he was that level of talent, right? So we had kind of connections to different athletes, and then 
the football coach at the university uh, was Lou Holtz back then. His assistant, uh, the strength and conditioning coach, was a guy that was attached to the Dallas Cowboys. And his brother worked for the Dallas Cowboys. So Bob Ward. Mm -hmm. And so John Ward was up here. And they said, well, we're using Dan and Asano here at the Dallas Cowboys to train our, our defensive line and other things. And then uh, they called and said, well, you're connected with Dan and Asano, so why don't you come work for us, et cetera. So that's how that one happened. Wow. Okay. Then, oh, boy, there's a bunch of these. Uh, you know, I'm just so fortunate. This, every time I think of all these, you know, I, I don't know. Well, I'll just say it. Uh, I often wonder how a kid from Bloomington, Minnesota <laughs> – ends up meeting Dan and Asano and training these people and being able to do this. I love what I do. I enjoy it so much. And um, I'm blessed. I, I believe that I'm blessed. I think this was all arranged and ordained somehow. And I don't know. I, it just, I, I don't see that it happens any other way. Mm -hmm. It certainly wasn't my doing. Well, in your, in your, um, in your emails, you know, you kind of mentioned, and, and I know it seems like the, obviously the pro athletes, the well-known people, those always get the, the you know the the highlights people seem to mention that but you mentioned that the most important ones to you are teaching the general public talk a little bit about that absolutely yeah dealing with high speed groups is a good resume builder mm -hmm. I, I've told people all that because you you write FBI or uh, any kind of tier one team on there and boy now you're a big deal right right but the actual martial arts that they do is pretty low level yeah. <laughs> it's like mm. you know hrt is not doing high level martial art your right. your martial art group is much better than they are but the average person i learned pretty early that this art can change lives for the better and that that really was the role of martial art you know all the fight stories and the i did this and i did that and whatever it, it's not really I don't know. You know, I got to a point where if I heard one more fight story, I always felt like I needed a shower or something. I just, <laughs> it was like, I really don't want to hear that you, you jump some guy in a bar. Right. You know, you're, when you look at it, you train what, two, three, four, five hours a day. And you thumped on some guy that just got off a bar stool. Uh, I think you're supposed to win that one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, and I, I started to really value, I saw what uh, Guru and Asano called distance traveled. And what that meant was, let's say that you get your most talented student comes in and coming through the door on a scale of one to 10, he walks in at a six or a seven. You know what I mean? They're just good. Mm -hmm. And then you get that other student, the one that all the instructors hate to get, mm -hmm. <laughs> where they, they come in at a two or three, right? Yep. Well, the, the guy that came in at a six or seven improves to eight or nine, right? The two or three, when they improve to seven, they've actually traveled a greater distance. Exactly. Now, they're still, you know, if somebody were to walk in and watch a practice, they probably wouldn't notice that person. Right. You know, maybe. But I just have such great respect for people when they when they make that kind of change and make that kind of commitment. And it's average people. And, you know, they have to fight through uh, being nervous and intimidated and, uh, you know, it's physically uncomfortable and all of that stuff. Whereas the, the real athletes, they came in used to that stuff. They're just, they just blend right in. So but I really respect the average person that finds martial art, uses it to improve themselves. And they know they're probably never going to see any real combat, Right. but it's still a part of their life. So that's what I like. That's great. I love that. So what led to the creation of MKG University? <laughs> um, okay. So I have to give credit to a bunch of people for that, actually. Okay. But my student in Bournemouth, England, Brendan Westwood, uh, he very politely, bless him, he's passed away uh, a couple of years ago, but he, um, he kind of looked at me and said, you know, Sifu, you're going from town to town to town to town to town to town. Uh, we should centralize this thing and let's get some of this recorded. Both of those were sort of like, I stood up and I went, oh, well, there's a good idea. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so... <laughs> And then the actual university, as you see it now, is uh, Colton. Okay. That's, that's, Colton. that's him putting all of that together. And it's interesting. He didn't come out of school with a technology degree. He's learning all this on the fly. Wow. Good for um, him. Okay. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm so lucky to have the people around me. I'm blessed truly to have the people around me. You know, I, I mentioned my assistant, Linda. She's uh, wonderful and keeps me functional. And uh, I've, I've had a rough last few years. Mm -hmm. And um, Colton, Colton is the other one where uh, he he has done an awful lot for organizing, you know, getting the business going. I was a lousy businessman. 
And I think most martial artists are probably that. I would agree. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's just not our thing, right? It's not mm-hmm. really the focus. And um, so he's organized the business. And then what was the Minnesota College on Fond Group became the Minnesota College Group. Then it became the college group. Then MKG came along. And I still have a hard time calling it MKG. I call it the college group. But it is a much better thing. And then the MKGU is an attempt to... So what we've done is we I have a manual, uh, an instructor manual. And I've tried to organize all the information over all these years that I got from Mr. Nassano and make it progressive so that, that you have the basics first and... You know, obviously it progresses on through and the skills build on each other. Most people, when they have Mr. Inasano's curriculum, they just have highlights. Mm-hmm. They have a bunch of lists and they throw them into a, a book or a booklet and it's just a bunch of lists. This idea of progressive improvement isn't really in there. So that's the genesis for the MKGU. So now we say, well, let's get this online and they can do lesson number one, lesson number two, lesson number three, you know, on, on, up. The latest part of that is an actual instructor curriculum that is that. It takes takes people who want to be instructors and progresses them in, here's the curriculum we want you to have. Here's how to teach it. Okay. And our, our way, our way of teaching it. And uh, yeah, it's I, I really like it. it the MKGU exploded during uh, COVID. I suppose, yeah. Because we recorded everything. You know, you were, you were, <laughs> we were joking about technology earlier when trying to get this going. I'm no tech guy, mm-hmm. but we closed down. You remember this because you're in Minnesota. The governor said we got to close down, and he he said a Wednesday as the date. Yep, it was a Wednesday. Well, I showed up the Saturday morning at the college group, and I said, "You guys shut it down. It, this looks serious. Let's let's close up." Mm-hmm. And uh, that was Saturday morning. On Sunday morning, they had me teaching online. I never got a day off for, for COVID. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Everybody else got all this time off. I didn't get a day off. Well, what happened there is uh, more, that thing brought out more information, more insight, more. We had people teaching on there from all over the world, you mm-hmm. know, and everybody was at their best, mostly just out of desperation. You know, we were trying to, trying to sink or swim time, you know, and um so the U just kept building and building and building. Right now, there's thousands of hours of material on there. You know, I was telling somebody, you could run a school for 100 years off the MKGU. Wow. You know, if you just wanted lessons and that kind of thing. So, and I, I really value it. I wish I had seen it earlier. You know, that this we could have been recording for years and years and years. We just didn't. Right. And um, uh, I mistakenly went through a whole period, actually, where I didn't take notes. That was what we called the functionalization era. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, if I don't have it inside my body, then I don't have it, right? So I don't need the notes because they don't mean anything. Well, that's not true. I should have right. had the notes. That was dumb. But um, one of one of many mistakes. So okay. you, you may have led, led a life with no mistakes, but I, I haven't. <laughs> I don't think anyone has. <laughs> and then the, I know Colton specifically mentioned the international class as being kind of the, the main part of that and stuff. So is this something that people who have maybe have never been involved in in cali or the filipino martial arts is is anyone going to find value in this is this yeah we get a lot of that okay we get a lot of that a lot of people who are crossing systems you know they'll they'll be in a system now and and maybe they wanted to add weaponry or maybe they the empty hand part wanted to enhance that the filipino boxing the panantukan is still the most popular thing we have you know i know a lot of people think that jkd bruce lee's material is is it it really it's a sidelight now it's really just kind of an asterisk in the art that we teach and the the filipino boxing is the deal you know that and Mm -hmm. and now obviously it's a lot of you know brazilian jiu-jitsu and thai boxing and that sort of thing those are the popular things right now okay but the u we get people crossing over all the time and what i've been told consistently is that they really like this sense of family they 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 talk about the MKG family a lot. You guys are like a family, and uh, that was highlighted to me a number of times. Um, you know, my wife got sick and passed, and during that time, that was uh, very important to me. And then COVID, boy, these people just stayed together. You know, and I think people were attracted to that sense of it's a group that really uh, it is sort of a family. So 
Very cool. Nice. And I, Colton actually mentioned to me, he actually went and set up a, a special promo for my listeners. So if any of my listeners want to check it out and try it out, if they use the promo code every day, their first two months are only going to be $5 a month. So definitely we want to promote that and I'll put a link out there when the episode comes out. So hopefully you'll get some people to, to check it out and, and see what you have to offer. It sounds like a, a great deal for sure. Well, that, that is a good deal. <laughs> yeah. So, but so, it's good, you know, if people get a benefit out of it, then I, then I think that's worth it. That, that's a good thing. And exactly. If they're going to get on there and spend their time watching and that sort of thing, because I think it, it blends with any system. You know, you had mentioned that that your instructors were bringing other arts in very mm-hmm. early on. And that that really is true of martial art. All these different uh, martial art and cultural influences work well together. Right. Yeah. And that's the you know, people who have the open mind and, and realize that there's there's not such thing. There's no such thing as a perfect style. It's like you, you have to blend other stuff in. You have to, you know, use what works and not use what doesn't. And, you know, the, kind of the whole Bruce Lee philosophy type thing, as a lot of people talk about. But it's, you know, there was other people doing it you know, even before him and people continue to do it after. And it's just kind of the smart way to, to look at martial arts, in my opinion. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, Bruce was was popular just because he had the movie as a platform. You know, right. he, was, he was a movie star. But people were doing that. And, you know, people said, oh, Bruce Lee invented full contact. Tell that to the pies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, they, they were, um, I was just talking to somebody about the UFC and they said they invented cage fighting. And I said, no, they didn't. You go over Northeast Minneapolis. They had that when my dad was one. Yep. <laughs> yep. So people have been, uh, now what, what changed in that era, a lot changed in that era. They tried to break open what we call the system culture. So, you know, we sort of briefly touched on the fact that if you're training in one system, they didn't really want you training in any other system. Right. And then there was also a cultural and racial barrier. So the Chinese community was very upset at Bruce Lee for a lot of reasons. He's a cocky. But also he was training Caucasians. He was training all sorts of different people. And then he had a Filipino as an assistant. And they just didn't like it. They just didn't like it. The the formal Chinese community hated Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. And just that simple. And that's a, that's a racial thing. You know, we're, it was still... Uh, we're fighting racism now. It was still back then. So, so what what would you say makes your style different from others? Uh, the, just the emphasis. Okay. You know, every style has a certain set of prime qualities they value. You know, you look at Muay Thai, it's conditioning, power-based defense, right? Mm-hmm. You look at uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it's structure and fluidity on the ground. You've, you know, you, the, every every art and system has a certain thing that they value. And in Kali, it's it's definitely the fluid motion, the flow. And then everything folds into that. You know, it's a lot of study about economy of motion, using the, the shortest motion for whatever problem you're solving. There's a lot of uh, different types of movement, footwork and angling that I think is their strength. Uh, a lot of really innovative thinking about everything from limb destruction to hand trapping to that sort of thing, you know, that they really uh, look at it. That's why it blends with so many arts because you can just add, you know, if you want just the leverage systems, the sweeping and that kind of thing, and then keep the rest of your art. I, I told the Thai boxing class one day because they, they, they weren't crossing over at all. They, they would just go to the Thai boxing class. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, you guys really like your elbows. And I like them. You guys are good at elbows. If I could put his head right here for you every time, would you be interested? Oh, yeah, we like that. Well, why don't you come to the punishment class then? <laughs> so, so, yeah, I think the era of Bruce Lee was important to open open the art, open people's minds, open everybody to mixing and innovation and all of that stuff. It became a bit of an anchor or a, a little bit of a, I don't know, something going forward because people wanted to stay with that, what Bruce Lee was doing. I still hear it. Right. You know, people will say, you know, well, that's not traditional Jeet Kune Do. And I'll, just, I'll look at them and say, those two words don't belong in the same sentence. Exactly. You don't do that. And so, you know, it was designed for um, continuing innovation and research. And then more, most importantly, individualization. Right. You know, you have a certain way that you're, your body moves, you have a certain set of life experiences, you have a certain environment that you operate in, and that's individual for everyone. And my only job with this organization is to keep information coming in and make sure that we've got things that everyone, so that everyone can find something in here. You know, they'll find something in here. You get mm-hmm. the punchers find interesting punching uh, or striking training. You know, uh, kickers are here. You know, we got so we can cater to the different things that people do well and then try to expand them from there. You know, that's that's really the deal. 
Nice. So what advice would you give someone who contacted you? They've never done martial arts in their life. They're thinking of getting involved. They're kind of just wondering what should they look for? What should they avoid maybe like in schools and instructors? Uh, you know, we, well, obviously, you know, you've seen an awful lot of martial art go under the bridge here. Mm -hmm. So we're in the MMA era. I would remind people that most of us are not 20 year old thumpers. <laughs> right. So if that's the school that you walk into is right away sticking gloves on you and you're sparring the first day, uh, I think you're just going to get hurt. Mm -hmm. And martial art now, there's a whole other side of this movement. You don't need to get hurt. You know, the, the idea of going through all that that punishment isn't really necessary. And so I would I would have them be cautious at first, just to look at the, the training and say, okay, is this harmful or is it helpful? And then I would look at the personality of the group. You know, what used to be, uh, there were certain schools that were real street fight oriented. Mm -hmm. And now I think those same schools are MMA oriented. It's the same mentality. It's right. just, it just transferred over. And if that's their thing, okay. I think it will limit your martial art career. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so the, the physical part, take a look at it. The mental part, do you, do you match or resonate with uh, the instructors. I would also say competency or experience. Th there's a lot of people to whom, you know, you'll hear this, you know, well, I've been at this three or four years. Okay. You know, uh, in Kali, by the way, when they say beginner, it means under five years. Okay. So, and, and a lot of the traditional martial art was like that. Mm -hmm. You know, we live in the era of, uh, well, was it mid America or was it national that brought in the era of two year black belts, you know, yeah. so yeah. you can sign a contract for a two year black belt. And I understand it as a marketing and business tool, but um, as when you walk into a school, I would look at, you know, what's their background, how, how deeply are they involved in the research and all that stuff so that you have good material to work with. Mm -hmm. And then what else? You know, the other thing that has changed over the years, I don't know what you started training in as far as the school, the actual physical school. Mm -hmm. We started in a garage. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, these schools now are nice. Yeah. You, know, you walk in and see there's zebra mats everywhere. I don't know how <laughs> much money I got in zebra mats. Good yeah. Lord. And, you know, a lot of schools have weight rooms. A lot of them, you know, it's really, really nice. And so that that is a consideration of somebody signing up for a martial arts school. I'd take a look at the physical plant and say, mm -hmm. look, look, it, does it look nice? Is it is it clean? Is it, you know, the old, the idea of the old, my Washington Avenue school was that was when Rocky came out, everybody said, that looks like our school. <laughs> <laughs> nice. The first one. You're like, yeah, but you guys should stop spitting on the walls. Okay? <laughs> yeah, mine wasn't quite that. I think my first one, it was actually a dance school above a police department. It was my first Tung Sudo school. So. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. But well, that's the way it was, right? Exactly. And these these sort of mega schools now, we, we didn't train in anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, we were lucky if we had a heavy bag. Now they got 18 different kinds of heavy bags. And I was telling somebody the other day, I remember when to buy a focus mitt, to buy a pair of focus mitts, you sort of had to know somebody. You had to kind of know where to look. And, you know, maybe you were getting one of the magazines inside karate or inside Kung Fu mm -hmm. and, and you, you had to go there. Now they got them at GNC. <laughs> so, you wow. Know, you know, yeah. And, and it's just, it's such a different environment, mm -hmm. such a different environment. So, so you, you mentioned MMA a little bit. So I'm just curious then, what are your thoughts on MMA and the UFC? And are you a fan? I'm a partial fan. I, I like watching if I can learn something, Okay, you know, cause they're, go, they're going to innovate, you know, once you make it a game, my, my, my thought about it is that the MMA that you see now is the logical outgrowth of the JKD movement. Okay. Once they decided to 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 make contact, full contact, a part of the testing and training of the art, they were going to come up with this sooner or later. Right. And, you know, Eric Paulson said that when, when he was doing a seminar, one of the guys says, well, can you define MMA? And he turns around and he goes, it's JKD. Now, anyways, what we were doing is, and he goes right back <laughs> to work. And so I think for people who are of the age and the mentality that they need that, you know, mm. they need to go and test it. The evolution is pretty good right now. I think, you know, you've obviously, if you take all the arts you've learned, um, you know, just listening to your background, this is certainly true for you. Mm -hmm. You can only go full contact with a part of that. Right. Because you'll, you'll kill people. I mean, it's, it's, these arts are designed to be effective taking right. lives. So, mm -hmm. so you've got to have rules. It looks like they've come up with a halfway decent set of rules. 
the actual mentality, uh, if I had any criticism, I would say the crowd, you know, when you go to an MMA show, whether it's UFC or any of the other leagues, I always ask, okay, how many of these people that are here watching, if you threw two swords in the ring, how many people would leave? And that's a real like, oh, wait a minute, what are we actually watching? Mm. So that's that's one set of considerations. And then my lament is, how, how about this? I'll just say that I was sad. A lot of the uh, MMA schools and promoters and the people that train, what went away was the traditional respect in martial art, the, the idea you know, you grew up with a lot of uh, systems there that had respect at the very core of the art. Agreed. And I, uh, you know, I'll show up at seminars now and I get sized up. You know, you, you see the big guy in the back and he's looking at me. And I'm like, really, at 64, I got to put up with this. Um, <laughs> wow. And, and so I think the, the respect, and it'll come back. It'll come back. But I think for a while it, it went away. Okay. The money is amazing. I, I still can't believe, you know, Dana White and these guys. I would never have seen that kind of money in this. Never. No. So, no, I mean, cause um, I, I used to judge um, MMA in Minnesota, North Dakota, and South Dakota. And I, I remember, you know, before, even when the commission first started in Minnesota in 2006, I think it was. But, I mean, there were times yeah. when people were fighting for, for beer money. They'd pull people out of the audience. Be like, we need another fighter. Who wants to make 100 bucks? And it's like, <laughs> wow. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I went to one one time, and I we left, actually. And I said, look, if, if I want to see this, I'll go down to the caboose on Friday night. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just, it's, definitely, but, it's yeah. definitely changed over the last 15 years. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And to be fair, the fighters are better. Yes. The mixing of the arts is better. One trend that I predicted did happen. So when they first came out, I, I'm sure you remember, you know, Hoist Gracie comes out mm -hmm. and he fights that boxer. Remember the kid with the glove on his right hand? With the one glove. Yep. yep, uh, yep. Jimerson. So, which was smart because he had a fight coming up, you know, mm -hmm. and a, a boxing match. And his trainer said, OK, if you're going to do this, I'm going to put a glove on your right hand because I don't want you breaking your hand on. Uh, and so the other part of that that was really smart on the on the part of the Gracie family is they sent Hoist. And no rip on Hoist whatsoever, because what a great talent he is. Yes. But the real talent in the Gracie family is Hickson. Oh, Hickson's phenomenal. <laughs> and so they knew up front that a couple things were, were going to happen. Most martial artists back then, and still today, are trained to strike moving forward. They're all moving forward. So all he had to do was get under that, take them down, and they got nothing on the ground. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you remember that guy tapped out, there wasn't actually a submission. Right. Just hoist got on top and he started tapping because he didn't know what to do. <laughs> yep. And I'm sure he felt like he was drowning. I, I would suspect that had to be the feeling. Mm -hmm. And um, but they knew if if hoist were to get beat, then they bring out the big gun, you know, and uh, Hickson would have been the next one. Yeah. And uh, that wasn't necessary. He went on and uh, I think it was after that that he fought Sakuraba and all that, wasn't it? Yep, I think so. And, yeah. But so the, the MMA thing, I think, is a mixed blessing. You know, I think it's. Uh, it's reminded us all about conditioning and contact. You know, uh, I go back far enough to remember when the back fist or back knuckle, as they called mm -hmm. it then, was a death blow. Yep. <laughs> so, and that was non-contact tournaments. Mm -hmm. You know, there was non-contact karate. Okay, so fast forward to today. We know that's probably not true. Right. And um, so the sense for contact, what the effect of contact is, Things that are truly effective uh, in a competition sense. Yeah, I think. And just the appreciation of the athletes. You know, I think the other part that we've not covered is I worked for the NFL for many years. Okay. And so I like um, uh, contact sports. I, I think it's very interesting. And um, I think they're getting to that point where it's a legit sport. Mm -hmm. You know, brutal. Don't get me wrong. It's brutal. Right. But so is hockey. Yeah. So it was hockey. True. You, know, you come from Minnesota, you're used to fights on the ice. Yep. <laughs> we were just we were just talking about you remember this? The old North Stars and Blackhawks games. Oh yeah. And they didn't need a puck. <laughs> <They> just, <laughs> you know, they dropped that puck and the gloves would come off and they just go at it. So um <laughs> we trained a lot of NHL players here for years. Okay. And you know, I specifically trained them to fight on the ice. I I didn't train them to play hockey. Wow. And that's what they wanted. So that was a, I got a whole history there, but I'm, I'm lucky enough to have actually held the Stanley cup. That's cool. <laughs> I, thought it, I turned around the guys that we trained were from Tampa Bay lightning. 
this is Ben Clymer and Brett Hedekin and I can't remember who all the guys and Josh DeWolf. Anyway, and they, they threw a party after they won the cup over here at Interlock and Country Club. And um, I was standing there talking to Brian Lawton. He was the guy that hired us and he was the agent. Uh, I literally turned around. Somebody hands me this thing and I'm staring at my hands and in it is the Stanley Cup. <laughs> and then I got in big trouble because there's a guy, he runs around with the cup. He just, it's his job to take care of the cup. Mm-hmm. And he's got white gloves on. And he's, he's, anyways, the players were going to pour champagne in the cup. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, this guy thought I was the instigator here. So he started yelling at me. Right by <laughs> he's, I'm like, look, I'm just standing here. I have no idea what I'm doing. Wow. So, yeah, that That's kind of cool. <laughs> Good story. So who were some names that you would put on your personal Mount Rushmore of martial arts? Oh, gosh, there'd be so many. <laughs> You know, if you wanted to look way back, people like Masayama, mm-hmm. Yoshiba, boy, there would be a bunch of them. Yitman, nice. there, yeah, there, there would be a whole bunch of those more traditional martial artists. I had a chance, I, I met, there's two large branches of Aikido. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a school in Japan, so I spent a lot of time there. And I had a chance to go and sit with one of the branch heads. And it's after Yeshiva died, there was two split-offs. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could remember the man's name, but he was really something. A very impressive individual and martial artist. Nice. Who else would go on there? Dan Inasano is the obvious one obvious, in my yep. life. I guess I would put Bruce I, I have said I wasn't a Bruce Lee fan. I guess mm-hmm. I would put Bruce Lee there only because of his actual effect on martial art. Right. Yep. You know, he was kind of the, the streak of lightning that came through and, and broke everything open. After that, going forward, boy, there's a lot of them. You know, there's so many. Uh, we covered that earlier. So much talent out there and so many really good instructors, you know, all over the world. If you, if I look at the UK, it would be people like Rick Young and Phil Norman, Terry Barnett. There's there's just so many all over the world. Hard to, hard so, to narrow that list down, huh? <laughs> boy, it would be a big Mount Rushmore. That's, that's true. That's yeah. cool. Hey, you, put, you named quite a few good names already, so... <laughs> That's good. Well, you know, and and there there is a saying, you may have heard it, but it says, you know, we, we can only go this far because we're standing on the shoulders of giants. Right. And that's true. Yes. That's true. I, I would never have innovated all of this. You know, we, we, we've we been handed, I tell my students that, we've been handed this martial art. Dan Inasano shows up in town and, and just gives you 76, 77 years of training and hands it to you. And I said, you guys, our job is to be appreciative and then to continue the work, you know, I mean, just be thankful. That's great. So, yeah. Nice. So in all your lifelong martial arts journey, is there, is there one philosophy you've learned that kind of rises to the top? That's super important to you. You keep coming back to it. You still teach it to your students. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And it's, 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 it's all through the, the college AKD thing is, is under Dan and Asano is that everybody is traveling their own individual path nice and we or i am tasked with being understanding and helpful along that path okay you know i'm not supposed to judge what anybody else is doing or you know try to say this is better than that or that's better than this it's you know we we really focus on uh promoting different cultures promoting uh, an individual approach to the art so that ev- everybody's doing something different mm-hmm. and each of us has to go along that path. It's your only choice. Right. So uh, you can want to be, you know, Bruce Lee, or you can want to be one of these people, but you're not, right. you know, sports offers so many great analogies. You know, we're talking hockey. You can want to be Wayne Gretzky, <laughs> but you're not. you know, or Bobby Orr or whoever your, mm-hmm. your person is, you know, uh, Sidney Crosby or, you know, football, you can want to be Walter Payton. That was one of my heroes. Yeah. And, um, uh, I learned late in life. My father worked for the NFL as well. And, mm-hmm. uh, this might just worth putting on here is I spoke with him one day and I said, you know, what you up to? He says, well, I got to go to Chicago. So what for oh, the funeral? I said, what? Yeah. Walter's funerals today. Well, and then, so now the penny's dropping, right? Mm-hmm. Like, wow. You, you're talking about Walter Payton. Well, over his time with the Vikings, he had gotten to be good friends with Walter Payton. Okay. And so my first reaction was, well, wait a minute, where was I? <laughs> I'm a fan of this guy. <laughs> Anyways, but there would be a guy, you know, Walter Payton had his own way of doing things. Mm-hmm. 
And um, people tried to be like him, but they couldn't. So I think martial art is like that. So I would say that, you know, as an overall philosophy, it's that each of us is traveling our own path. And, you know, I have a picture of Dan with that written on it in a poem that he wrote. And that, you know, our job as instructors is to, well, I should say this, hopefully we lead by example, right? you know, so your students should see that you are still doing and training and doing what you can, but also you sound like a guy who's still got a good balance. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've seen martial art improve so many lives, but also ruin a few, you know, just because they get too obsessed and too over the top, you know, mm-hmm. and then pretty soon families break up and whatever else. I mean, it just, it, it can be a, a negative if you let it. That is true. So. Great answer. I love that. All right. I got a few fun ones to wrap it up. So first of okay. all, do you have a favorite martial arts book? Oh gosh, I just went through my books. Yeah. Filipino martial arts by Dan Inacano. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. I guess that's the predictable answer. I wish I had <laughs> something cooler than that. Hey, but that's, I that's just love, I, I love looking at him and then he had a couple other ones, you know? So, but yeah, there we go. Okay. So this one, you may not have an answer for, I don't know if you were, were you ever a video gamer? Do you have a favorite martial arts video game? I do not. Okay. I do not. Okay. That one's about 50, yeah. 50. Some people play it and some people didn't. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I'm, I'm older than that. Okay. So. How about a favorite martial arts TV show? Boy, TV show. I thought Kung Fu was pretty cool. Nice. Okay. Um, David Carradine back then. Yep. I'll tell you who I think a lot of. It's not a TV show, it's a movie star. It's Jackie Chan. Oh, yeah. I think he's one of the, he was really the next Bruce Lee. Agreed. And the thing they did well with Jackie Chan is, I don't know about you, but I think he's hilarious. Mm, Yes. (laughs) He's got to be one of the funniest. You know, if you had to list him as, is he a martial artist or a comedian? The answer is yes. (laughs) Exactly. Yep. (laughs) He took martial art to a whole new level and, uh, in the movies. And, and I actually would rate his action scenes higher than Bruce Lee's mm-hmm. by quite a bit. actually. Yeah. So, so then um, did you ever watch the TV show martial law in the nineties with Sammo hung? You know, I saw a couple of them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause and he was I, yeah, one I of Jackie's students cool. and stuff. He was good friends of Jackie. So, Oh, is that right? Yeah. yeah so yeah. it's a lot of that same style out of the same humor type, you know, Jackie Chan yeah. fighting styles and stuff. So huh. yeah, no, I didn't see a lot of that. But okay. Yeah. Good. Cool. All right. How about a favorite martial arts movie? Yeah, you know, um, is Rush Hour a martial arts movie? It's not really, that, is it? I've had at least two guests name that one, so <laughs> I, I would say it counts. <laughs> okay. Um, I think I probably should say one that my instructors are in. <laughs> you know, um, Dan Inasano did a few movies. He did the one with Burt Reynolds, and yep. then, um, you know, obviously Bruce Lee's movies. Yep, Game of Death. Uh, yeah. I thought it was cool that Bruce had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in one movie. <laughs> yep. So uh, any of those would be good. Okay. You know, but... Uh, yeah, I think any of the Jackie Chan ones, I think Rush Hour, I can't remember the name of the other ones, but yeah, so those were really entertaining to me. I don't really watch movies. The, the one thing I should say about martial art movies mm-hmm. is I don't watch movies to learn anything about martial art. Right. If the things they do that they're calling martial art fit with the plot, perfect. Right. You know, that's perfect. And okay. that's what it's supposed to do. So. Okay, cool. Final question. This one, it doesn't have to be a martial arts movie. It can be any movie. Do you just have a favorite movie fight scene? Movie fight scene. Boy, we could go back. Gosh, that that's a hard one. You know, there's there's an interesting one. This one you'll have to go look up in a history book. This is gonna show how old I am. Okay. There is a fight scene between is it Andre the Giant or the one before him? Anyways, there, there's a fight scene between him and um Carl Weathers in uh Force Tim from Navarone. Is that the one or Guns of Navarone or one of those? Okay. It's a World War II movie. And they end up out in the woods, and the big guy is a uh, uh, he's fighting for the Germans, but he's a Russian. Mm-hmm. And they end up with a fight scene between knives and then what turns out to be big logs that they just pick up in the woods. Okay. And it's awesome. It's pretty cool fight scene. I will have to and check the, that. The out. other one that just came to my mind as I said that would be the baseball scene, baseball bat scene from the Warriors. Oh, oh man, I forgot. I love the Warriors. Yeah. Great movie. There was that, that team, <laughs> the gang was with the baseball uniforms on. Mm-hmm. And that baseball bat fight scene, I thought was pretty cool. I remember, I'd have to go back and look at it. It's probably hokey now that I think about it. But. Yeah, a lot of those don't hold up, unfortunately, but <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> right. As long as you think yeah. in your head, as long as it's good, that's the important thing. <laughs> right, right. 
Nice, it was a good nice. impression back. Exactly. Well, Rick, I, I just want to say thank you, man. This has been so much fun. I, I loved hearing your story. And I definitely, it, it, next time you have a, if you do a seminar in, in Minnesota, I'd love to come check it out. If I can make it work in my schedule, it'd be a blast. Well, uh, you're welcome here anytime. And again, you know, I just like to thank the people around me. Mm-hmm. You know, my assistant, Linda, basically keeps me functional and, and uh, is, is a gem. Also one of the best martial artists you'll ever see. Nice. And, um, you know, I mentioned Colton and the guys mm-hmm. at the gym, you know, they, they really, you know, this, this thing's not me, it's them. And, uh, I, I, at this stage, I just kind of follow along and they point me where to be. And then I, <laughs> I just do my thing. So, <laughs> nice. but, uh, yeah, I'd like to just thank all the people and then thank you for doing this. I appreciate you. You know, you're a very open-minded guy and boy, you definitely experienced. So that's, that really helps. I love talking martial arts. So it's, I would, but my two loves were martial arts and, and radio and talking to people. So it kind of, kind of worked out yeah. nice. And, and like I said, I'll put, I'll put links for the, you know, the Minnesota Cali you know, group website and the MKG university website. And, and just once again, I want to mention that promo for the listeners that they use the promo every day, your first two months are only going to be $5 a month. So it's really a good deal. But, but once again, seriously, just thanks for your time. And I, I truly appreciate it. Well, thank you. And again, I apologize for being late. I, I <laughs> literally got got stuck in a lake, but uh, I'm glad we were able to make it work. Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist. We hope you'll join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist, and we'll see you next week.